0: Hello and welcome to the Put A Ring On It podcast, a podcast from me, Danielle Pasternak, wedding coordinator of DPNAC Weddings.
1: And me, Daniel Moyer of Daniel Moyer Photography. The Put A Ring On It podcast is for brides, grooms, and anyone planning a wedding who wants insider knowledge, behind the scenes stories, and downright sensible wedding planning advice.
0: Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Put a Ring on It. This is Episode 7, and I'm Danielle Pasternak.
1: And I'm Dan Moyer. Today, we're talking with Liz Suong from Catalyst Wedding Co. We're going to let Liz dive in a bit more later about what Catalyst is, but we were introduced through Brie Ryback of Capital Romance, whom we had on a few episodes ago. Episode 5, actually, to be exact. After a few emails and research, Danielle and I both agreed that what we really love about Liz and Catalyst is that they're all about focusing on the joy of weddings rather than cultivating the perfect image. In today's episode, we're going to talk more about that idea and really unpack the idea of focusing on creating a wedding that feels right to you and not one that tries to fit into somebody else's mold. So without further ado.
0: Hey, Liz. um, Thank you so much for being part of the podcast this week. I wanted to ask for all of our listeners out there who may not know who you are, can you share your story a little bit?
2: Well, hello, Danielle and Daniel. Thank you for having <laughs> me. <laughs> what a great team. Thanks for coordinating your names.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> we planned it that way. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm Liz Susong, and I'm the editor of Catalyst Wedding Magazine and the co-founder of Catalyst Wed Co. Um, our company came about to create a counter story to mainstream wedding media and wedding narratives that really pressure brides as consumers, um, to purchase lots of items that they need to have the perfect day and also to lose weight and <laughs> to perfect the personal brand. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so we, um, My partner and I have both been married. We both have a background in women's studies. And we really saw a need for um, a more down-to-earth approach to weddings that also had sort of a critical lens involved. So we definitely take note of the fact that most wedding media features thin, white, wealthy, heterosexual brides and grooms. And we wanted to feature couples outside of that box, and support marriage equality in our project as well. So we have a feminist bent to our magazine, which is produced twice a year. And we also organize a conference or a workshop for progressive wedding professionals. We've had one in Richmond and one in Brooklyn. And in both, we just take a lot of time to reflect on what's going on in the industry and how we can be sort of activists within the industry to promote uh, values of equality and progressive values. And we also just support each other, have a good time and do some professional development
1: type work. So Catalyst Wedding Company is all kind of about breaking the mold then, right?
2: Yes, it's breaking the mold, but in a specific kind of way, because there are all kinds of, I would say, alternatives out there for, um, couples getting married, but we have a sort of specific political project within what we're doing. And we're really questioning, you know, I as an individual have decided to get married. So I'm planning a wedding Mm -hmm. within this big, crazy world. And what is my connection to the broader political and historical context around weddings and marriage and privilege and oppression and, um, Really trying to weave a bigger picture around the industry into what we're doing.
1: Gotcha. And so, so, yeah. so what is the wedding about to you then?
2: Um, that is complicated because <laughs> I loaded. Well, I we still very much honor the fact that weddings are different for different individuals and different couples, and. For us, weddings are a conscious choice to um, connect to lives, and that can look a lot of different ways, and people have a lot of different reasons for making that choice. But when we are showing stories within our magazine, we really focus on the personal narrative. So why did that couple make the choices they made, or what reflection do they have on that choice of connecting lives? rather than focusing on details. So we don't really show like tablescapes, which I think is the funniest word ever. And um, we really just try and focus on the story of two people connecting.
0: So Liz, what do you think, um, looking at this big, crazy world of weddings, what do you feel like are some common misconceptions about weddings that you see?
2: misconceptions from whom?
0: So I think there's a lot of different media outlets out there from blogs to magazines, as you've mentioned, even just from wedding pros that are in the industry. Um, what, I guess what I'm asking is like, what is something that when you see it, it really kind of like, you know, burns your buttons a little bit. Is that a phrase, burns your buttons? It is now. <laughs> I like it. Go with it, it. It makes
2: sense. <laughs> I feel like that's a British <laughs> phrase
0: that I've heard at one point. When,
2: Ooh, I like that. <laughs> Okay, so maybe some of my pet peeves around the industry, I guess, which I hate to be like the feminist voice that would focus on pet peeves, but I, dieting is is one, I would say. Um, I see just so many articles about diet possibilities to be your skinniest best self on your wedding day. And while I certainly understand and empathize with the desire to feel Healthy and beautiful, and you know, full like a a full, glamorous human being on your wedding. I find that pressure to be so sexist Mm. and so specific to women. And I mean, often men are wearing suits that cover up (laughs) their bodily curves and women are sort of on display as usual on the wedding day and then the industry has really taken that and run with that to sell all kinds of like dieting services and health services and workout services to women who are getting married Mm. so I think that is probably the most obvious example of sexism that has really been commodified within the industry,
0: that's um, that's interesting. You mentioned that um, just a bit ago. I saw an article, and I won't mention where, but it was. I think it was well intentioned, but it was basically you know x amount of ways to work out while planning your wedding. And one of the the things I saw in there was um, multitask when working out. So be be like working on your checklist as you're doing your workout. And I I just feel like if you're a person that wants to incorporate exercise into your daily routine for whatever reason, whether it's getting married, whether it's no matter what it is, if you just want to feel better about yourself yourself for, for you, um, don't multitask, give yourself that like time <laughs> to, right, to just right. like be present with your workout and know why you're doing it. But I feel like to like multitask your way through it. And I'm a big multitasker. I'm a big fan of that, but like, Oh, just to like give that advice. I was just like, Oh no, 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 no. I
2: don't like this. Yeah. I mean, I think it is like that, that sort of, I new sexism in our society, which puts puts a lot of pressure on women to be the wonder woman who can do everything. Mm-hmm. And so the idea behind that is, like, this woman's a modern-day woman, so she has a full-time job, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, she's probably carrying the load at the house as far as uh, work around in the domestic sphere goes. And then we still have these traditional ideas around weddings where, like, the wedding is the woman's day and the groom yes. shows up. So the idea is, like, the woman is still... In charge of the checklist, and she's probably writing invitations as she's running on the treadmill. I right, mean, of course, because that's easy. every <laughs> single pressure uh, at once on one person, which can make the wedding planning process stressful, and a lot of people don't enjoy it because of the amount of stress. Rather than. An intentional time where you are able to make time for yourself to take care of yourself, whatever that means to you, while also enjoying with your partner conversations about the plans and, you know, bringing like an intentional um, focus to what you're about to do rather than just creating a checklist and trying to get this event done so you can move on with your life.
0: I know you can't see us, Liz, and neither can our listeners, but Dan and I are both nodding our heads vigorously in agreement
1: with you. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Namaste. Namaste.
1: <laughs> I think you kind of alluded to this a little bit already, but I wonder if you can elaborate on what you feel distracts couples then, too, during the planning process, that is.
2: Hmm. Interesting. So many things, probably. Um <laughs> pressures, outside pressures, most likely, that can come from a a lot of different areas. Um, Family pressures would be one because weddings tend to have (laughs) the effect of bringing out all the family politics, um, which is so delightful. And most people come from families who do have opinions and want to be involved and maybe are even contributing money and so therefore feel a little bit more entitlement around the choices being made at the wedding. So family pressures, and then there's consumer pressures, because if you just Google wedding, I mean, you will just have an onslaught of images uh, around perfect wedding days. So there's tons of um, expectations created by the industry and created by wedding media. Um, Yeah, so I would say external pressures.
0: Um, one of the things I think we see a lot speaking on that are things called styled photo shoots in blogs, magazines, and so on. What um, If you could define a styled photo shoot, how would you kind of define it, Liz?
2: Um, a styled shoot is an opportunity for wedding professionals to collaborate together to style a wedding. Um, And usually this is for the purposes of publication and is a means of marketing for wedding professionals. So those wedding professionals will likely submit their shoot um, to a blog or magazine. And if it's published, they then will likely get lots more attention and followers to their brand. Mm -hmm. So I see it in two different ways. One is, it, you know, wedding professionals are artists of sorts. And so it is certainly an opportunity for artists to create something and express themselves rather than just providing a service to a couple who's making all those design choices. So that's great. Um, The downside of it is that I would guess somewhere around, I mean, this is me pulling the statistic out of my head to be clear, but I would guess that about 40% of the weddings. That you see on mainstream blogs are styled to some degree. And so, therefore, um, it really raises the bar for expectations for the average um, bride and groom or bride and bride or groom and groom who are going on Pinterest and Googling like wedding favor, (laughs) just an innocent search. And then they're completely (laughs) overwhelmed by the many examples that. Wedding professionals have spent tons of time, energy, and money, and money mm-hmm. to create and put out there on the internet in order to market themselves. But it's really difficult to discern whether that was coming from a styled shoot or not when you're just searching Pinterest. And so, therefore, those you know very, I would say, um, well-meaning. Mm -hmm. goals of the styled shoot can put a lot of pressure on the average couple
0: I, I like the way you say that I am a coordinator so logistics are really my strength and my forte and I've been involved in styled shoots before and um to say the least I'm currently on a hiatus from them because I they just exhaust me and I feel like I feel like what I'm putting out sometimes isn't necessarily authentic for what people can do. And I feel like the word inspiration is to try and inspire people. And as you said, it comes from a very well-meaning place from all these pros that come together and collaborate. And a lot of times too, pros, as you said, are artists and they want to really share this vision. And a lot of times, most of the times we're working with clients who have their own vision. So when you have an idea, you want to kind of see it through and see what happens with it. But so often um, couples who are in the planning phase see these things and get a little bit bummed out because either it doesn't fit in the budget or it's just not realistic. Or what I really get like bummed about is the fact that it's just physically not possible to do what they're showing in the shoot. You know what I mean? Yes. And a lot of
2: times, like, you see those tablescapes that are yep. styled at shoots, and uh, the, the team probably had six place settings that they were creating, yes. versus a couple that's planning a wedding for 100 people. I mean, it's right. just financially likely not feasible to recreate that. But then, of course, that image lingers in your mind of this perfect wedding, and so that can become kind of uncomfortable and really take the true meaning of weddings away, I think.
1: Agreed. And um, so talking about cultivating joy on a wedding day and things that distract couples, I mean, the way that I try to approach a wedding day is I think that laughter and tears are what make great pictures. So a lot of other things can be said to be distracting to couples. So that's why I asked you before, like what you thought kind of distracted couples, because I think when you try to create this perfect image and when you have to like, Try to create a wedding that is meeting the level of expectations of, you know, a blog or a, you know, even just other people or your friends or whatever. That can be distracting to the real purpose of the day. And I know that while we were talking about this episode, you had talked about this idea of shedding the notion of creating a perfect wedding and maintaining a perfect image and keeping your wedding a joyful experience first. How did you arrive at that idea
2: Um, well, certainly hindsight is 2020 because I also got married and I (laughs) DIY'd my wedding to death, which is a whole other like new set of pressures on couples, like (laughs) not only make it look good, but create it from scratch. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I had a big wedding, I had a rustic barn wedding with all of the details, you know, and Mason
1: jars were there Mason jars uh,
2: there. Of course, Daniel, (laughs) do you have to ask? Come on. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, I mean, it would definitely reflected probably the age I was at as well when I got married, but I was also, yeah, a little bit focused on the image for sure. And while, I do feel that my wedding planning process was very intentional. And my favorite part of the um, wedding was the ceremony. Mm-hmm. And we wrote our ceremony from scratch. And it was really a reflection of us. And it was pretty unique. Um, I, have, I also felt a lot of stress on the day because I was trying to, like, make a wedding video <laughs> and take every photo I could ever have found on Pinterest. And um, I think I actually probably felt a lot more joy the day after when I had a bunch of friends and family over just for a barbecue and I could actually kind of relax and just enjoy the day. But then I um, I coordinated weddings and I observed couples who really did not put that kind of pressure on themselves and didn't have a list of photos that they absolutely had to take or anything like that. And I could just see in them how much freer they felt on the day and how much happier they felt and how much more present they were. So it's it doesn't come naturally. You really have to be mindful around that because – the industry and just the simple fact of being the spotlight, the center of attention can take so much away from you and can create so much stress. And you really have to be ready to be present and start cultivating that intentionality and mindfulness ahead of time and um, make your goal joy and not taking the best photo for Pinterest.
1: That, that was really beautiful and very well said. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thanks. <laughs> So um, you said you uh, coordinated some weddings too, Liz? Yes. Very cool. Is that part of what brought you into this Catalyst thing? So that plus maybe the wedding you had or was that after Catalyst? yes. I've had
2: a very windy career path because I've moved around quite a bit. I've lived in four states in four years. Um, And I had just moved to Washington, D.C. I had been teaching college in Colorado and i was looking for a full time job when i met a and i'm a i'm a busybody a little <laughs> bit type a as many wedding coordinators are so i was Amen. just working retail while i was applying for jobs and i met a wedding coordinator who seemed so cool like <laughs> it was a, it's actually candy of candy and co in washington dc Okay. Um, she came into the shop and we were, I was helping her and she, we were just chatting and she had like this short pixie cut and a nose ring and r- bright red lipstick. And I just remember thinking, I didn't know wedding coordinators could be so hip and so cool. And <laughs> <laughs> so I started chatting with her and I was like, wow, that sounds so awesome. I just planned my own wedding. I had such a good time. I would love to do something like that. And she ended up referring me a client. And so kind of out of the blue, I started doing some independent wedding planning. And I was mostly working with kind of couples who ha- were doing pretty low key weddings and just wanted someone to direct for the most part, mm-hmm. because they realized that that having to direct your own wedding creates a lot of unnecessary stress. Yes. Um, yes. So yeah, at that point, I was kind of Still involved in the wedding industry, post planning weddings, post, post planning my own wedding, and I wrote a reflection about having a women's studies background and loving weddings, um, sort of unashamed, unashamedly, and the contradiction that I felt in myself around that. And it was posted on Offbeat Bride, and my partner, I, I do too. They post awesome editorial mm-hmm. content. My partner, Carly, was a wedding photographer in Richmond, Virginia. She also had a background in women's studies. She um, worked as the personal assistant for Gloria Steinem, and she was really trying to bring her values into her love of photography by not really posing couples and not overly editing photos or anything like that. Um, And she read the article and reached out to me, and we realized we're only two hours away from each other. So we met up and had a really great conversation. And we're like, wouldn't it be great to meet other really progressive people in the wedding industry? And I was thinking like, yeah, let's plan a brunch or something. And she's extremely entrepreneurial and always thinking big picture. And so that just kind of snowballed into our first unconvention in Richmond. And we had 30 people come and it was awesome. And from there we wanted to reach more people. And so we launched the magazine. And then, I mean, we had no business plan. Now, as a business owner, a self-identified business owner, it's so funny because we, you know, we had no plan whatsoever. And I feel like we essentially gave birth to a baby that we now have to, like, <laughs> nurture and care for. <laughs> like We understand oh, <laughs> completely.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it started out as a fun idea. and Now, it's like, wow, this is, it has a life of its own. And it's our job to to care for it,
0: so. So yeah. when, did, when did you guys start Catalyst? What year was that?
2: Um, our first unconvention was November of 2014. And nice. then we launched our first issue of the magazine in May of 2015.
0: Nice. So it's... Um... It's, it's really fresh, and I love that. Um, and for for people listening, unconvention is um, sort of – it's not like a workshop. I feel like that's really the wrong word for it. But it's for pros in the industry, and I love – you call them wedding space disruptors. I love that
2: word. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So yeah, that's a bit of our tagline.
0: Yeah, so that's more for um, the pros in the industry – like-minded people that really want to get together and help move the industry forward in a really positive and progressive sort of way. And then you also have the magazine, which um, is that more for couples to be who are planning a wedding to sort of get a feel for like real stuff.
2: I would say yes. Although statistically I think maybe like half of people who read wedding magazines are not actually engaged couples. That would be um, me. I'm one of those. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so, in a way, we're not we're not um, exclusively targeting engaged couples because we do incorporate a ton of like personal narratives, some journalism. So, in our next issue, like we have a um, journalistic piece about how Ireland was the first country to legalize same-sex marriage by popular vote, and we have lots of reflection pieces. So, one about a couple who was older when they got married and what it was like to combine households by getting married in in middle age. We have a reflection from a lesbian couple who's also Christian and it was very important to them to have a Christian wedding and some of the challenges that they were up against being a same-sex couple. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not just, I mean, we have very few how-tos for engaged couples and we have lots of like, sarcastic humor pieces, too. So it's really for folks who have any kind of interest or investment in the world of weddings, whether that's wedding professionals or engaged couples or just people who I imagine are kind of identify like me as sort of like maybe an overeducated millennial (laughs) who (laughs) thinks indie magazines are pretty cool and um, takes an interest in weddings.
0: That's awesome. So in your experience as either coordinating weddings or even just being publisher of this magazine, what have been some of the favorite things you've seen with weddings? Hmm. Not to play favorites, but. That's
2: interesting. Because as soon as you said, what has been your favorite thing, the first thing that came to mind was simply being able to connect with so many people through this project who really... Um, feel so strongly about it and I mean we've had lots of like gratitude from people for creating something that um, is willing to go out on a limb and have more of a, a political foundation as far as what I've seen in weddings hmm that's a great question well we have a piece in the next issue about a couple who both identified as introverted and they were not really excited about the idea of having a wedding ceremony with a bunch of people where they were the center of attention. So instead they took a road trip because they love road trips and sort of um, like they took a photo of themselves in front of every state capital and they sort of celebrated with all of their family and friends separately and um, kind of considered the whole road trip part of their marrying process. And I thought that was so lovely and um, very (laughs) self-aware as to what um, is meaningful to you as you were making this, like, huge, wonderful decision to connect your life with someone else's. Um, So, yeah, anything that feels really genuine and, you know, not gimmicky, but, uh, yeah, something
0: authentic. I love that I I know nobody can see me but I'm totally tearing up because it's just <clears throat> I'm a road tripper. I love it. <laughs> but um I like that I like that that was just a just a brilliant and really sincere authentic way to think outside of the box and do something that meant something special to them as a couple and I I'm tearing up. I can't talk.
2: <laughs> Definitely another one that I that I love in our next issue is um, we have a photo piece about two people who are in their 70s who actually met at a grief support um, group and the one had lost her husband and um, I'm not sure what the why the other one was there, but, uh, he wasn't able to get her number because it was confidential. (laughs) And the group, the person running the group wouldn't disclose it, but he kept searching for her and he found her and um, they got married and his ex-wife was actually his best woman. And it was just like this just amazing story. And of course it has like an adorable quote in it about how he's been waiting his whole life for
0: her. And I'm kind of (laughs) a sucker for that. So yeah. That's incredible. Okay. So I think you're, the timing of you coming onto the show, Liz, is really great. Prior to this episode, we actually had Katherine Hamm from GayWeddings.com come on and talk a little bit with us about really a lot of new trends that we're seeing, thanks in large part to same-sex weddings too, and breaking the rules and getting away from this mold of what's traditional or what's quote-unquote normal. And I love that. Actually, one of the things she she brought up um, that we enjoyed talking about was this lack that we seem to see the lack of getting grooms more involved in the wedding day and it being really focused on bride 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 um how do, what What are your thoughts on that with getting the the groom or both partners really equally involved it
2: is it's, it's still so stuck in that those traditional expectations i think my husband was quite involved and I ended up calling him Groomzilla because <laughs> he was like the leader That's of the, not nice, Liz. the DIY drama. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, I mean, we even noticed that as a magazine, I think we have somewhere around maybe 15% male readership, but we even put out a call like on our Instagram for male writers because all of our submissions come from women. And we still had so few um, submissions from men, so it's we're really trying to reach out to men without pandering to them, if that makes sense. We considered putting um, a gay male couple on our cover, and ended up deciding against it because there was another couple that just really stood out to me, and I want to honor the people who are, you know, embracing the magazine already, and. We have, I think, a huge lesbian readership. So we put two women on the cover to celebrate the Supreme Court decision. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we want to reach out to men, um, but we're also not going to put like too much energy into trying to figure out how to get more men to read our magazine when we're really happy with the readers we have and really appreciative of them. But yeah, it is an ongoing challenge. I hear that. I don't have
1: the answer. That's... I mean, being a groom, well, you know, my wife and I have been married now for about a year and a half. And uh, I was, you know, being in the wedding industry, I was very involved in the wedding process just because I, I feel like, I one, I wanted to know what it was like sitting on the opposite side of the table. And two, uh, I, I kind of knew some of the wedding pros that I wanted to work with. And um, I, just, I just did a lot more of the footwork because I'm working from home and Rachel was teaching at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was surprised at how, like, I would receive some templated email responses that would still say bride, even though it was, you know, I was the one right, who was right. responding and I was the one who was emailing most. Um, and it was still very bride centric. And uh, I get that. Um, you know, I mean, I, I fault myself sometimes in my own business for being very bride centric too. And that's something that I'm currently working on. But it is something that, you know, I, I'm constantly trying to figure out how to get grooms more involved.
2: Yes. I, and I, that's something we talked a lot about at unconvention, which is that, there's sort of these traditional ways of doing things in the industry and we can either just you know kind of sit back and shake our heads at them or we can be we can actively push against them so as professionals in the industry being extremely mindful when you're um assuming bride or writing only to brides I know that couples go on venue walkthroughs and people make all kinds of weird passive aggressive comments about like you know silly things like well, I'm sure whatever she likes, you know, will be good for you or whatever. Just really pandering to that bride centrism, which is a result of sexism as well, because the idea is that this is the best day of the woman's life. She's, you know, wanted by a man and that the man will have many more things to celebrate in his life or something. I don't know. Um, But yeah, we all have to be sort of mindful when we're being Um, when we're, you know, assuming heterosexual couples or we're assuming the bride is the one who cares the most. And I've certainly interacted with some really active grooms or I've seen my friends, marry, and the grooms care just as much, but maybe feel a little shy about expressing their opinions because
0: it's, um, it's not really respected in the industry. That makes sense. So on that note, Liz, is there any, anything or any resources that you want to plug that might help couples during the wedding planning process? Sure.
2: I mean, I have my favorite go-tos. So we're catalystwedco.com. You can order the magazine directly from the site. And we also have a blog. Um, I love A Practical Wedding and I love Offbeat Bride. Both of those provided me a lot of support when I was planning my wedding by finding other people who had similar experiences or were willing to be vulnerable and write about their experiences. And then there's lots of other awesome blogs like H&H Weddings is a, a blog for same-sex couples. And there's all, um, Minoluchi Bride is for brides of color. There's, there are more and more resources
0: popping up for people outside of the wedding box. Awesome. And your magazine that you mentioned, you said um, it's, it's gone to print in February and going to Barnes & Noble. Do you know when it's going to be available to purchase? Um, I, you or can purchase it
2: on our site already. We oh, take yeah, that's pre-orders true. and we'll ship them all out as soon as they're in our hands. At Barnes & Noble, they should be there at the beginning of March. And once again, I think that will primarily be on the East Coast. It's a bit of a trial run for the magazine. In Canada.
1: <laughs> Can I ask you a loaded question as maybe one of the final questions? Sure. If you had one piece of advice to leave with our listeners, what would it be?
2: Um, my piece of advice would be don't compare yourself to others because your relationship is unique to what you've built. And so allow your wedding to honor your unique relationship and your unique love and be as authentic
0: as possible to you.
1: Perfect. Danielle and I were again over here shaking our heads, nodding up and down.
0: (laughs) I'm actually writing that quote down because I think it was bloody brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So Liz, I can't thank you enough for coming onto the show today. I certainly got a, a new insight and appreciate hearing your take on things. It's always always great to hear somebody else's worldview on things
2: well thank you thank you so much for taking the time and the interest in our project we're a little baby too so
0: we appreciate it
1: yeah <laughs> cool thanks liz
0: thanks Liz. Thanks, guys have a great day
1: <laughs> you Peace. too
0: thanks Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening today. As always, head to the putaringonitpodcast.com website to get today's show notes and all kinds of information about Catalyst Wedding Co. Their Twitter information's on there, their website, um, all that good stuff. Putaringonitpodcast.com slash zero zero seven for this specific episode.
1: And don't forget to keep reviewing and subscribing us. We really, really want to keep growing, and that's the only way that we can do it.
0: Mm-hmm. and don't forget we've got a Q&A episode coming up so keep sending us those questions if you head to the website at putaringonitpodcast.com I'm going to just mention it a lot of times here as we wrap up this episode putaringonitpodcast.com head to the contact page send us a message with your question if it's, um, if it's something minor where we want to answer it on the show or maybe I'll just send you a reply myself and uh, we'll go from there but please send it over we want to really build up some great questions for that Q&A episode that we have coming up at the end of this season
1: Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: See you later.